1960s East Coast surfer with his depressed stock of good waves and an ingrained belief that California was holding all the high cards. The East Coast surfer started out as a creature of deference. Quote, our surfing boom is a mere cat pistol shot compared to the West Coast movement, one Floridian put it. The first quote in Sports Illustrated's 1966 feature on East Coast surfing was a near apology. Virginia Beach board maker Bob Holland said, quote, that the Eastern surf is not all that good, end quote. This, is, this was SI's first surfing cover story, and to bring as much legitimacy to the subject as possible, the accompanying photographs, including the surfing's East Coast boom cover shot, were all of California ace Phil Edwards. On the other hand, East Coasters were far more appreciative than their Western counterparts for waves that did come through. Surf was never taken for granted. Nobody here was blasé. From the Encyclopedia of Surfing, I'm Tyler Brewer in Brooklyn. And I'm Jamie Brewer. And I've left the East Coast and moved to London. <laughs> this like is Sunday <laughs> Joint where we roll up Matt Warshaw's weekly newsletter for a deep inhale of surfing's past, present, and future. On this episode of the Sunday Joint, we were inspired by a joint on July 26, 2020, with Matt welcoming Dick Mesrel to the EOS. It got both of us thinking about East Coast pride, and in some ways, why the East Coast rules. We dive into the East versus West topic and cover some of the East Coast legends of surf. All this, and Jamie and I try to one-up each other with Stump My Bro on this episode of The Sunday Joint, an encyclopedia of surfing adjacent podcast. Well, Mello, how do you do, sir? How are uh, you? <laughs> East Coast? What yeah. up? Where the <laughs> I was gonna try to make some reference to the H's or like M's and the, the and the and the that and is, the, the, a, the and the sunrises are like sunsets. That that I is suppose. a that is a really obscure quote uh, for all our listeners from uh, the state that I do where they do the skit where they go, "Welcome to the world where H's sound like M's and M's sound like H's." Mellow, and we're the, mal do. And we're, were the states from was the state from Long Island? Were they no? Were they no, New they Yorkers were in New York or? City. They're well, they're I don't know if they're. I don't think all of them were New Yorkers, but they were all in New York City uh, in MTV, uh, doing the state uh, and having lots of fun doing all sorts of crazy comedy. But that is not the topic of our episode. No, it's a it's a, a topic of Jake. Man, that but, quote that you just said, like yeah really hit the nail on the head you know like to how it felt growing up i don't know about you but like to be on the east Coast. well i was just gonna ask have you ever did you ever feel slighted as an east coast surfer do you do you feel like you have a chip on your shoulder because you grew up surfing the east coast particularly in a time when it wasn't 
like right now, I feel like East Coast surfing has a lot of respect and people don't poo-poo and they go, oh, they have waves. Whereas when we grew up, I think it was much less known and we weren't even, you know, a lot of people didn't even think about surfing on the East Coast, you know? So I, I don't know if you ever felt like get a chip. Yeah, well, I didn't feel slighted so much. Although I think if I had read that article, I would have felt slighted. Fucking yeah. Phil Edwards. <laughs> I mean, fair enough. Great surfer, the greatest surfer of the time. But I mean, that's almost like having Noah Johnson do the, you know, the uh, the, the surfing part for um, Kate Bosworth. You know, like, yeah. why don't we have our own surfers? <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, it, and you know, not only that, but we've, uh, it's, we've, I feel like it's always been like, we've been treated as like the, the younger sibling or we, you know, we've definitely, there's a paternalistic attitude. I feel like from West coast to East coast um, on surf culture and surfing. I feel like that's always been kind of there. You, so know? you felt like uh, you felt the the view from the outside being like, kind of like you you didn't have the we didn't have the respect we didn't have the credibility yeah. or something yeah i mean we were we they would i mean i was reading on the in the eos actually the article about um board sales between david nueva gary proper and corky carroll a uh, great article actually uh, because it's very surprising and the way hobie had marketed and the way it just seemed Gary Proper was like the younger brother to Corky Carroll, you know, and always seemed like the the less than almost. Yet the, the B the B grade version. The B grade, yeah. Yet when you look at money and sales of boards, Gary Proper was pulling in way more money than than Corky Carroll in the year like 1967, 1968. You know, it, it was man. It, remember that article, the the green on blue that when when Matt that was part of the article. Person. That was part of that. Yeah, that was part of that article. I, know, I love Gary Proper's response to the question, how Matt builds it up. And he says, so, you know, like after he'd interviewed Corky and, and all the others and found and Nat Young and yeah. found out how much they got paid. And he said, to, he tells Gary how much he heard Corky got paid. And yeah. he said, you know, how much did you get paid? You know, this is my question I'm asking everyone. Yeah. And he felt kind of like sad for Gary that he was going to feel a bit inferior. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> his response. <laughs> you remember what the response was? It was like way northwards. Like it was like, what is it? Just a little bit shy, you know, even either side of forty thousand. He's like, no, oh, way more. <laughs> like three, four times more. You know, it was just like, you know, he the East Coast market was huge in the sixties. What you know, it 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 went from about two hundred and fifty surfers in nineteen sixty on the whole east coast to i think uh, matt in one of the articles at like two hundred thousand or something insane some ridiculous it was number this, it was this, yeah it, it was exactly the same as the west coast at the time yeah yeah and and you know in some ways it was more spread out because west coast it was a 200 mile you know area from santa barbara down to san diego basically that most that was where the most of the surfers and surf population were whereas the east coast it was much more spread out from florida to maine and you had a huge diversity of of uh surfing culture in each area yeah um, surfing was big but it's right i i didn't feel so much i was weird like i think i i really could relate to what that's the sports illustrated article or, or what he said about how 
they almost had an apologetic deferential look yeah. to the West Coast. It, to me, I didn't feel like they were judging us and we deserved more. To me, I felt like, yeah, we're just the East Coasters. Like, we're not really surfers. Like, to me, it felt like these aren't even really waves. And when the waves were good, I felt, yeah, yeah okay, but that's just like, that's it. These aren't our real, like when a hurricane came, I was like, yeah, but these aren't our normal waves. These are hurricane waves. Whereas now I, it's like, no, those are our waves. Those are our waves. Now, I, I see, I grew up, I felt like I had a bit of a chip on my shoulder. I always felt like we were snubbed, um, particularly in New York. In the Northeast, I felt even more snubbed. Like Florida got some, got a bit of the attention. There was a surf industry based out of there. So they had some sway and you know in the water is warmer and you know so you're surfing a lot more and it was more pleasing and you had, you had a lot a big hotbed of talent down there but i always felt like you know surfer magazine you know would always do the east coast section it was always this you know pink background you know like kind of pink black and white photos it was sometimes like, they had like a violet background as yeah well. it, was it was a like violet background that was of it. pink and yeah. purple Yes. I mean, it was with typography it, over it, but you know, it was at the time stereotypically feminine um, colors, which is nothing wrong with it. But I think it was their way of saying, "Yeah, putting us down." Yeah, maybe you have a point there. I, I just, well, it just felt ridiculous. Like, oh, we have to have a whole subsection for the East Coast because they don't really count, you know. And then in the '90s, when they gave East Coasters covers of Surfer magazine, when. Um, when we had, uh, was it 95, the hurricane issue with uh, Chris Harmon on the cover, what do they do? They give Ross Williams the cover on the West Coast. They printed two separate versions, oh, you know, of the cover. Se separate but equal. That's sec apartheid. Oh. <laughs> it, it, oh, my God. It, so to me, it always felt like, it always felt, like we were being kind of snubbed and then you'd always hear people like oh well can they perform in big surf there was always a east there was a stigma in the 80s particularly i felt like of east coasters not charging even though you had you know jeff crawford you had ricky rasmussen you had bruce Willis, you had people eric penny you had all these east coasters who charged hey, charlie charlie kuhn took off at waimea during the billabong pro exactly Wes Lane, the consummate sunset master. That's right. And he was like six foot four. Holy crap. Big guy. He was it, tall. What do you, I mean, what do you, what do you think some of the challenges that East Coast surfers face and have faced over time? Well, I know, I'm, I know like it's, I'm, it's almost like I don't want to jump too far ahead to like how it's changed so much, but it has like, like you said before, now East coast surfing is, is in, in the media presence feels like super big, you know, and like relevant. And I guess the things that have changed, I mean, obviously we know that the waves aren't as consistent, um, but, but I think more uh, documentation of people surfing incredible waves that, in the past, you didn't document, you know? I guess um, that's that's the thing in the past, the cost of film, like you couldn't just, you, you know, now with digital film, you can you can just go down and take loads and loads of pictures until you get the right shot. Whereas yeah. be before, if you were an East Coast surf photographer, you'd be like, oh. And that, 
oh man it's it's so there's so many i'm so excited about this it's like it's so yeah, much i know well you know it's like a big topic <laughs> you know the matt clark uh photo cover of surfer magazine so matt yeah. clark as you know yeah. you know he's long island photographer yeah who ended up winning the uh, uh surfing was the follow the light is that what it's yeah. called the, yeah yeah the yeah, follow light the, foundation yeah follow the, light the, that yeah what tell claim. just Tell us exactly what that is. So the Father Life Foundation was, uh, you know, basically like a year a grant, uh, I believe, that was um, given out to a, an aspiring surf photographer. And they it was a comp photo competition. And Matt Clark from New York uh, won. And his his photography is next level, though. I mean, it's it's but, amazing. Totally. But the, the, that cover that he got... In, so it's a surfer magazine cover, which you got, you might, you guys listening might remember. You know, it was, it was a gray, blurry wave with an orange sunset. You know, looking out through the yeah. tube, the back door into there. And yeah, I read an interview with him, and he said it was, it was a pretty shitty day. You know, it was like a few feet. It was windy. There was, it was a gray day. There was no one at the beach. He went down to yeah. Long Beach, and there was no one there. He was the only one out on a March day. But the sun had just dipped below the clouds, and he knew it was going to have that really cool. You know how, like, yeah, if because Long Island, the David Poo effect, almost where you have that kind of cylinder, cylinder, cylinder of light that goes through the wave and wraps around the tube, the inner of the tube, almost. Right, that atmospheric thing. Yeah. And anyway, it was this beautiful shot. He shot it in really slow shutter speed after the sun had gone down, and it was you didn't need to have a groundswell you didn't need to have blue water for that to make that because of the technology you could go down and create this really cool photo and and that's the thing nowadays with really cool tech you can go out and just take without a lot of money you or allowed to you can take amazing pictures and the wetsuits that's the big the thing. equipment I mean, huge huge I east mean, coast now is it, it's much more approachable because it's bloody freezing in the winter time everywhere yeah, and wetsuits used to be awful. I mean, remember like my old O'Neill Pyro, you know, and the shoulder zip, it started like halfway down my bicep, the zipper, and went all the way to the other side. And it was stiff, like so stiff, you know? And then you had the back cross zippers and there, our, our friend Jimmy Warren had the one where the dry suit, the rip curl dry suit, they wore like waffle underwear underneath. Yeah, I don't remember him having a dry suit. I never had a dry suit. And he was like, oh, I was wearing this underwear underneath and every long underwear underneath. I'm like, what? Where is this now? Where are the dry suits now, by the way? Yeah, dry suits. That was big with windsurfers and sailors, yeah. I think. Were Fishermen, dry. too. So I think but in before the technology got good, the, um, it was really hard to be an East Coast surfer. Also, one other thing, I, th yeah. I guess so the, the wetsuits make it easier now. To, to surf all the time. And you can surf in the winter yeah. when the waves are good. You can yeah. take photos and films loads more. You could get in the water and be a water photographer now. And yeah. I mean, still, God, I mean, <laughs> ooh, even with the even with the great wetsuits and great equipment, I, I don't want to do the water photography no. now. <laughs> no, no. And and the third thing that makes it yeah. easier now that was harder in the 80s and the 70s, but not the 60s, was the acceptance of riding more buoyant surfboards, maybe, you know, like, mm. sure, sure, maybe the people are getting the photos are on shortboards, but maybe the first couple of years of their life, I don't know, maybe they were surfing on 
fishes and eggs and stuff because you're it's cool to now whereas back in the 80s like even our first year of surfing we like went down with these blades because you didn't want to look like a kook yeah but even but even, this goes even to like the 60s though it was always that you know i think there was always a, a, a condescension from the west coast and particularly mm. My thing is this, like, I think, um, and I've, I've sp probably spoken about this on the show. I've probably spoken about this on my other, on swell season, but it's, I believe, um, you know, it's basically the media was controlled by Southern California, basically. And the industry was based there. So everything was in front of them and they just covered what was easy, what was right there. And, you know, it would cost money in like the seventies, eighties to send someone to the East coast or to have someone, you know, full time here, uh, you know, so I imagine that would play into it. But it's it's funny because the East Coast is such a huge market. It's so big. I mean, our dad, our father owns a surf, a 50 year old surf shop that's been around since 66. And he's seen the surf boom in the 60s. You know, they they were, you know, the, Emilio, his boss at the time was the Hobie distributor and they were they were crushing it, like crushing it better than even like West Coast in some ways. It was amazing how many people were surfing and they were selling like over a thousand boards in the summer. Actually, you know? You're right. They were they were they were definitely selling more than California, not just it, I wonder. It, yeah, you know, and and it, it's it and they you know, it's funny is like I so I interviewed um so for our listeners, our, our father owns a sundown skiing surf shop, which used to be Emilio's, which was uh, probably the second, it's now the second oldest surf shop in New York, uh, next to Bungers. And uh, Emilio is this Argentinian guy, real interesting character. And uh, I interviewed him about a few months ago, asking about uh, how he got the distributorship for Hobie on the East Coast, you know, and it's it's wild like he had to go out there and he had to like convince them and show them like look there's we can crush it here and then when they saw the numbers they were doing all of a sudden hobie's focus really really came onto the east coast and then said to Emilio, oh you got to open a shop closer to the beach and like really getting more involved in the east coast and putting more energy there but it was it was totally ignored I don't know. I, well, I guess they didn't ignore it in, as far as them selling to it. No, it's but selling. but I guess as far as promoting like top surfers, like it, the the thing is, even East Coasters probably wanted to buy West Coast West yeah. Coast boards, like you just said. You know, uh, Hobie Weber, whatever you want to say, all those West Coast com board companies, they were the ones that everyone wanted, and yeah. because the West Coast start, you so, so even if you promoted like um, uh, Gary Proper, if you promoted uh, Cloyd Codgen and, and uh, Mike Tabling and stuff in the 60s, people were like, yeah, yeah, cool. But I think they still wanted, you know, it'd be like David and uh, Borky and everyone the, of the rest. The other thing I, I, I find interesting and what I think is, has affected East Coast surfing tremendously is... Um, the anti-surfing legislation and beach access. The East Coast was more developed, um, you know, than the West. So you had a lot more properties on the beaches that were owned by wealthy people or would keep anyone else off of it. And you have places like Babylon, where Gilgo is right now, 
if I want to go park there in the summer, it costs me $50 to park there for the day, at least. Um, you know, so you have the town councils that close off beaches to only town residents. And if you were from out of town, you couldn't surf there. Surfing was banned in Rockaway. I mean, you know, you had, um, what is it? Uh, was it John Gunderson from Atlantic Surf Magazine facing off with Mayor Lindsay to try to open up surfing in Rockway? And, you know, yeah, Asbury Park, it was shut down. Remember when yeah, we they were had some, kids? There's some really funny stuff as well. Did you read like that stuff where like, oh, I forget where it was, but in some places you had to have a written permission from your parents to go surfing. Yeah. You had to pass a swimming in New test. York, you had to pass a swimming test. If you were under 18, you had to prove that you can handle it. And actually, this is very interesting. I was interviewing uh, Eddie McCabe, one of our father's friends who was like the hot shit surfer in New York in the 60s, and was actually one of the first few in like the early 60s. He was like one of the few people surfing. And he was telling me how there was hardly anyone that surfed. But when people started surfing, he was hired by Atlantic Beach and also Long Beach to police the lineup and kick people out of the water if they were, you know, in con you know, if they couldn't hand competent, if they weren't competent enough to handle themselves or were being reckless or something, he would send them in and that, and he was hired to do that. <laughs> oh, wow. Maybe better you go home. <laughs> God, do you know what? That would be a really cool summer job to have. I I'm actually pushing for this now. I think here in Rockaway, <laughs> it would be so cool. I want to be like a surf Jedi in the lineup and just, you know, reconcile disputes and helps, you know, keep the flow in the water. And yes, yes, you've taken your much your first step into a much larger world and get all like ridiculous. I don't know. But it would be interesting to police the lineup and be like, oh, I saw you drop in. Get back in line. Back in line. I know you or else I'm going to have to write you a citation here. <laughs> hey, a little aside. Did, did you ever read about uh, what Ken Bradshaw who's not really an East Coaster, but he's a Texan. Gulf Coaster. Yeah. Yeah. What his technique for uh, keeping order in the lineup was? Uh, busting fins out and biting surfboards. Yeah. <laughs> if you dropped in, he'd come and take a chomp out of your surfboard. Well, didn't that happen in Lincoln in Long Beach with Fat Larry, where he bit into some guy's board and it was all on New York surf forum boards in, in like the early 2000s. I remember like it was a whole incident. Oh There's this local guy, Larry. Used to be, we used to call him Fat Larry, Larry, but that was wrong to fat shame him. And he's, he's much thinner now. But he was a big guy, pretty aggressive in the lineup. And he, he, he took a chunk out of a guy's board, just bit right into it. <laughs> that would be like that would hurt your gums i like mean i would get <laughs> that's the guy, the next time i see you that's what we should do we should like uh have a surfboard biting <laughs> contest <laughs> and then afterwards we got dentures <laughs> be amazing but it there yeah the there, there's all sorts thing. of oh the I beach know, access like, thing is crazy uh just because I like I was even I did a whole episode in Swell Season. We interviewed this uh, author on this book called Free Beaches and how like in Connecticut, just the wealthy who were supposedly the liberals, liberal elite, didn't want anyone who was poor or black on their beaches and would close it off. And that you see that happening in lots of places around New York where we grew up and a lot of other beaches want, you know, Robert Moses created those parkways, right? The parkways, you couldn't take buses on them. 
reason that was is because they didn't want poor people coming out to the beaches and they didn't want that intermingling. So it was very interesting, well, guess, the political and that's there. Yeah, and that's it's also the geography of the East Coast is, you know, I often you know, wonder, like, like I was looking at, you know, all the different top surfers through the decades from the East yeah. Coast. And we have had each decade, we've had some real uh, top top flight surfers, but the pool is is quite shallow. Small. It's just the people at the top. And I guess the geography hurts us apart from the waves, but like, so think, where do most of the best surfers on the East Coast come from? They've come from either North Carolina or Cocoa Beach, Florida, for the most part. With yeah, the and New, and New Jersey, some, uh, Gulf Coast and New Jersey, yeah, totally. Jersey and, and Virginia Beach, and yeah. but those are places where you have bigger towns on the beach. But a lot of the rest of the East Coast is, you know, barrier islands. So there's not, you can't get to the beach without a car until you're older. <laughs> yeah. Whereas California, there's towns and cities just piling right to the beach. You can so there are you can go surfing by yourself from a, you know as long as you're allowed to walk out of your house by yourself. Absolutely. That you had whole communities built around those areas. Whereas I feel like the East Coast, it was you have towns and stuff on beaches, but it's just different. It's just the geography makes it different. Um, you know, like if you know, you go to Outer Banks, like it, it doesn't feel like there's a town. It feels very spread out in lots of places. Um, you know, there's a lot, there's some sprawl. Yeah, I mean, it was funny, and but also like people took it ridiculous. Like, remember when we were kids, how we used to, so we couldn't surf most beaches for all our listeners. Like most of the beaches that, that I surf today, we weren't allowed to surf during the summer. Um, Rob, like Long Beach, you only had two beaches you could surf. One was Lincoln and the other was Azores. And Azores yeah, was kind of in, yeah. in between two uh, beach municipalities. So that's the only way we were allowed to surf there really. But then Robert Moses, remember how our stepdad, Rich, used to, we used to have to sneak the boards in the van, hide them under blankets to go in, pay, park. You know, you paid five, ten bucks to park. Then we had to kind of conceal our boards or be real stealth and then run down field five to the nude beach. And that's where we were allowed to surf. And as a 12 year old. You know, it sounds all great until you get there and there's all these old balls and just wrinkly bodies everywhere and not something a 12 year old wants to see, you know, yeah, it was like surfing in Osagor, you know. <laughs> but I mean, that that was so frustrating. I remember I don't know if you ever saw I saw kids get boards confiscated there. And they were like teenage kids. It wasn't like they were walking around with guns or something. They had surfboards. They confiscated them. They weren't even surfing. I know. So yeah, surfing was a crime. It was. It was, it, it, it was, cool. it was a way for middle-class white people to experience uh, <laughs> persecution, you know. <laughs> That's it was, exactly it. It was, it was probably good for us, you know. We probably deserved <laughs> it in some karmic sense, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Looking back on it, I'm actually quite grateful. <laughs> It's true. It is a little bit, you know, I mean, you, you get a little bit of that feel of, of, of being excluded from society or being looked at um, a little differently. Um, yeah, but it's changed now. And, and why, like, why, uh, why do you think, I mean, yeah, like surfing on the East Coast is actually a nice, it's, it's a pleasurable thing. We talked about all the tech, you know, why you can surf more beaches now. Mm -hmm. um, it's, 
you have and you have like famous pros coming out there and like hanging out and surfing and stuff like oh dude they they do strike missions out to the east coast now when they know there's a hurricane swell i mean um but i don't think they do it now no well no they do they actually lost but during the pandemic all- yes they that's flew, bad they shouldn't they do that flew out here a whole bunch of pros flew to new york to get one of these hurricanes in september october you know oh like no they, they it, it is the destination you know people fly out for strike missions mm. um i even remember like surfing rhode island and brad gerlach and mike parsons were there this is like 2002 2003 you were there when they were towing yeah i was oh there, my god there too. we were surfing uh a spot that i can't mention but it was they flew out to do it was part of the billabong odyssey program when they were trying to search for the hundred foot wave and there was a huge storm off the coast um and they flew to rhode island to do some towing surfing and everything and uh yeah <laughs> you know so it has changed i would say this I, I would, I would make, I would make the argument. I think East Coast surfing is better than West Coast surfing. And oh, I'm you're throwing it down. I'm throwing it down, and you're I'm throwing it down there. Okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you why, and you can, you can shoot them down if you want. And, and is this what you honestly believe, or is this because you just feel like this pent up desire to? It's probably a little chip both. Okay. Oh, I totally have hey, a we're... chip. I absolutely, for all you listening, I'm I super have a chip on my shoulder. You know about, you know, it always felt like we were a redheaded stepchild, the East Coast, and how we were treated. Um, particularly, uh, are you are are you glad? Are you proud to be an East Coaster? Absolutely, I love traveling. And when people would ask where we were from. Uh, I would say New York and everyone would always like do a double take because they at the time, a lot of people didn't know about surfing in New York. And I always felt that gave me an in in a lot of surf spots because if you said you're from California or Florida, Florida's East Coast. But if you said you were from California, particularly, you'd be like not a big deal. And locals probably would would vibe you. But because you say New York is like a sense of respect, like, oh, shit, you surf New York. It's cold. (laughs) There's surf there. Oh, you got to give this guy a wave. He, you know, like (laughs) that's what I felt like. Oh, that was my problem because you know what I always said. Oh, where I was from? Where? (laughs) Where did you say you're from? I'd always say I was kind like kind of outside of LA, kind of. You know. Really? (laughs) No, that's uh... oh shit! In one of the articles, no, it's Rick Kane. Oh. (laughs) I have to watch North Shore again. I'm clearly losing brain cells as I get older and forgetting things. Yeah, watching the uh, North Shore will restore your brain cells, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> it might help. Um, okay, so yes. So why, so are you, why is right. East Coast better than West Coast? Okay, we have more world titles than the West Coast does. Mm-hmm. Count Slater, CJ Hopgood, Lisa Anderson, Frida Zamba. I mean, boom, right there alone. Uh, from a professional surfing standpoint, East Coast has been carrying the West Coast for a while. And actually, although lately, I, like, lately West Coast is dominating. Sorry, but wait, wait, lately West Coast is doing pretty in good. In the 90s. Yeah. Let's see, because we had Slater, Hopkins, Rendazzo, uh, Lisa Anderson, Todd uh, Morcom. Todd Morcom, the, the low. Well, okay, I'm talking about Danny WC. 
I'm talking oh, about okay. CT. CT. They, uh, Danny Mulatto Corey, was on the CT. Corey and Shea. Corey and Shea Lopez. Did did Danny Mulatto make the top 44? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, Sorry for like one year. Yeah. I thought he was just. Uh, Wait, Todd yeah, Morecambe or Danny Mulatto, did you say? Danny Mulatto made the top 44, Todd, barely. Really? Todd Morecambe became a Porto Escondido charger. I know. I know. Um, that, so we have that. So, also, probably more world, more pipe masters uh, that, and triple crowns right. in West Coast. Okay, take Slater <laughs> out of it. And how many, how many, so we've got Crawford. Who else is one of pipe masters? Um, Slater. Um, I know. <laughs> Have the no, Hopkins? No, they didn't win a pipe, but they've won the sunset. And Do, would they? Because you know, CJ, is it bad to just keep referring to them as the Hopgoods? No, I don't think they I should take say CJ Hopgood and Damien Hopgood. CJ Hobbledy Good. Um, yeah, we got the Hobgoods. Come on, two freaking awesome brothers. Um, right now, currently, the best one of the best surf film festivals in the world is taking place in Florida. Um, so from a professional surfing standpoint, uh, we've, I think, you know, you can obviously Slater is like the wild card, of course, but still Lisa Anderson, Frida Zamba, Hobgoods, Lopez's there, there's uh, Justin Quintal, Justin Quintal. The, oh gosh. Yeah. How can we even forget that? I mean, like, you know, longboard champion first Absolutely. of the new WS, the first proper WSL. Longboard yeah. Champion. Well, no, I of mean, the new. The newly revamped there there's so much i mean there's a laundry list of people from you know um you know it's amazing I mean, like mimi monroe you have uh linda davoli who is fascinating you know well, in in the early 80s she was considered one of the the, the best, best if not the best women surfer in the world absolutely and she left because there was no money in it <laughs> you know and that was that she was like screw this um so i mean there's so i think so it's, okay so great great surfers we, right. we've got great culturally surfers. culturally i feel like maybe not in the past but now i feel like east coasters have a great a greater reverence for surf history and culture than mm. west coast um on the whole and this this goes to my goes to a larger theory i think part of it is because we're so deprived of surfing we have to get it wherever we can so we are very you know uh it's ritualistic about it and also very you know excited for that stuff um also it seems foreign to us because a lot of that surf history was written you know about west coast and other things but i always i'm always struck I'm always struck by when we are visited by um, legendary surfers from like West Coast or other places. So we get like Andrew Kidman or, you know, the Campbell brothers or someone will come to New York, I've seen, and they're blown away. And they've even said this to me, like the thing here about the East Coast, is you guys appreciate the culture much more. It's more sacred to you guys. Whereas West Coast, you could surf whenever you want. It's almost like exercising you can count on waves being there you can plan your week ahead on surf forecasting because the swells are coming from a thousand miles thousands of miles away whereas our east coast we have to be on it so fast and we can't plan our weeks ahead we can't plan our surfs so it makes it harder and you don't take it for granted as much and i think so do you reckon like the uh that the pleasure of surfing is greater because we're not as numb to it. It's 
you know, I mean, every cuck lights its cage, right? You know? Every what? <laughs> every cuck likes its cage. <laughs> every cock? Cuck. Cuck. What's, what's a cuck? Cuckold. Cuckold. Oh, God. Likes its cage. <laughs> Actually, wasn't it... Um... What's his face? Uh, Hemingway, who is an East Coaster, who term who coined that term, I think. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> but I say, like we, you know. That, okay, that, so okay, so we have more appreciation, we have an appreciation. for it. So, so um, if you grow up on the West Coast, you're not going to enjoy it as much because may, you just may, got yeah. it all the time. This is all generalizations for all our listeners. We're not saying everyone, and we no, know that's just like saying of, this is you know. But I think subjective. there's if you are starved for something you will have a greater appreciation for it when it's there. And and, you and will... it's good enough. And yeah. it's good enough. Like now that I've left New York and I know of other places where people actually do surf, the East Coast is better than a lot of other places. You still get good enough surf, you know? Absolutely. And there's a, a huge variety of surf too. Um, the other thing I would say is our winds. We get real offshore winds. And it makes it barrel. Right now, West Coast is getting a huge, huge amount of swell, but they're also experiencing winds that we kind of experience, and they're getting really barreling kind of waves awesome. lately. Normally, their waves aren't as hollow. It feels like it's much more maneuverable. And because oh, they get waves, like the glassy condition, but they don't get they get the Santanas once in a while, yes, right? The offshore winds, exactly. Yeah, but, but that's but a, we, occasional. But when a storm goes off the coast here, we get the offshores and it gets hard offshore and, and you get barreled, you know, it's not a lot of turning is more barrels. It's like J Bay on the East coast. No. Your offshore winds. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess when the swell comes, it turns offshore. Yeah. You um, need that extra heavy surfboard to make it down the face. You know, and then I think there's, um, there's something to be said, maybe even about some of the, the surf photography and photographers and the, you know, I think, and the surf shops on the East coast, I feel like there's something very special about a lot of surf shops in the East coast. They still have like a nice community feel and they, they are a lot of them heart of their surf communities where I think in the West coast, that's kind of changed a bit uh, over the last 20 or so years. Bit of a dime a dozen on the West coast. That too. And, and maybe you know. like, because I haven't been to a lot of surf shops in the East Coast since I've left. Yeah. But, you know, back in the day, you could go to a place like Rick's Surf Shop in East yes. Islip, which was a house, like a just a house in a neighborhood that was turned into a surf shop. Like, <laughs> I know. And like the East Coast, I remember Long Island anyway, and you'd have like a lot of really like, just like Funky. hole in the wall kind of surf shops, surf shops that were like, yeah, like, uh, do, <laughs> do they still Janky? have stuff like that? They do. No, of course. You know, there were all these jank shopping, you know, I mean, there, there's, could be argued our dad's shop in some ways has some of those vibes, you know, I mean, <laughs> probably, you know, it's, it's like, but there's something core about it. There's nothing, you know, and there's, there's still a lot of those shops on the East Coast where they're not, where I feel like a lot of surf shops have become very, pretentious and mm. very neat and clean and modern and and beautiful and i love going into them don't get me wrong but there's something cool about going to shop and seeing like traction pads all stacked on peggable walls uh 
you know, wax all piled by the counter. You like know, going to that old-fashioned hardware store, like just like totally, yes, you know, or like an electric supply shop, you know, like yeah. to get your <laughs> to get your toaster fixed, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bait and um, tackle shop. But there's also like just the incredible history in East Coast surfing that I I really love. Um, you know, doing the research for this, you know, who were some of the figures you you kind of that stood out to you? that you were like researching like oh holy crap this these people are amazing like well the well, thing is you have all these random like stuff going on you know like just people who had uh ah oh, do you know i forgot what his name is it was an article in surfers journal a long time ago this guy on in new jersey he he, he would have if he was still alive now he'd be around 100 and he had this kind of house on the beach it was a private beach but they used to have all these beach parties there and they'd surf and it wasn't a he wasn't a rich guy and they would have these like clam bakes on the beach and drinking and they would i he, there was a picture at it where he's driving along the beach pulling his son in a para glider you know a parasail <laughs> thing and he falls down and they would it was all sorts of cool stuff so you'd have all sorts of stuff like that you know um yeah so the east coast you'd have a whole bunch of different like just random people who were doing it you know they they went on a on a trip where they were in the war or something and they discovered surfing and they brought it back and they would just do this weird thing it was the west coast it was you know picking up speed uh yeah the names are obviously you know like um was it bob bob holland and um dan heritage and yeah. uh, you know names like that of course john hannon um yeah what did you come up with well let's let's first start with the pioneers of aerial surfing, John Holman, Matt Keck. Oh yeah. Yo, yeah. I mean, the only other, the only person on the West coast at the time was Kevin Reed up in Santa Cruz doing it, trying to do airs. And then Larry Bertelman with his Larials, you know, shortly yeah. after, but yeah. those two right there, John Holman, holy crap, man. Like I remember seeing double grab spins. Yeah. Double grab spins, twin fins, riding twin fins in the nineties, even and doing airs still like, Really cool. And then Matt Keckley, I mean, Mr. Uh, Frontfoot Leashwear, you know. Yeah. Who okay, who's the other here's a mini stump here? Who's the other famous pro surfer from late 70s, early 80s who also wore a front leash? Not from the East Coast, though. Hawaiian. Uh, what? Why do I want to say Tim Fritz, but I don't know? Oh, uh, I don't know. Just Tim into Fritz my head. Did. <laughs> Um, we should do a Tim Fretz episode one day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we could do the Sunday joint after hours if we're going to discuss him. Yeah, it's pretty obscure. Right. Very handsome man. Very, very handsome Hawaiian guy. Well, Hawaiian Howley. No. Not, was... More handsome than John Dumb, believe it or not. Oh, I'm forgetting right now. I know... I've uh, seen this in Surfer too. I feel yeah, like I've seen oh, it. It was big time Ralph Lauren model. Uh, oh, former, Buzzy Yeah, he also did yeah. the front, front leg. I mean, maybe Buzzy. there's something to it. You know, you jump forward, you 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 pull it around. It might. I, I don't know. Have you ever tried it? No, I don't think so. I imagine maybe like when you jump forward and your foot is attached to leash, and if leash is short enough, it gives you a little extra propulsion. Cause it's okay. Pushed. Yeah. <laughs> slingshot. Like a slingshot you up. <laughs> would um, you try it? Would you try it? Yeah, or of would course. You not want to waste a session trying it. I'll try that. Yeah. 
especially yeah. on a small day. <laughs> There's your New Year's resolution to there it is on your front Sir- foot. <laughs> Front foot lesion. Uh, Ricky Rasmussen and, uh, needs to be mentioned. Oops, sorry. Oh sorry. Anyway, oh yeah. Oh no, another one. But did, but what did uh, he, Matt Keckley was ahead of his time? What did people? What graffiti did people spray on the walls in in Florida? Like to to, uh, to put down his aerials? No, I don't know this. I don't know this one. As they used to say, a uh, silly Keck tricks are for kids. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where Sonny Garcia got it really from, not the fr- you know fruity pebbles or or fruit loops or whatever. <laughs> it was uh or cocoa was it fruit or whatever. No, it's a no. silly rabbit. Silly rabbit tricks 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 tricks. tricks, 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 tricks duh. Tricks. Why am I? <laughs> Damn brain fart there. Um, so we have to mention Ricky Rasmussen as New Yorkers. I mean, I have I have this great quote that Matt wrote about my love. Ricky Rasmussen won the 1974 USSC United States Surfing Championships at more or less the exact moment Lou Reed's rock and roll animal went to the front of my small but not unworthy record collection. I've come to believe that the two men together planted a seed for which my fascination and love in New York would... No, that wasn't the quote I was looking for. I thought I had a different quote. Damn. Where is he going with that? Planted the seed for fascination with what? Uh, New York. New York, and it oh, would okay. sprout, grow, and blossom. Uh, but there was <laughs> some great quote about him that you know about him, and I don't know. But anyway, about Rasmussen, Ricky yeah, Rasmussen. just be just so shit hot, like such a good surf, and they all knew he was hot and really good. And there is um, what's really interesting is him and Linda Davoli. You know, uh, they they all like. They were both charging at the same time and both surfed, uh, you know, some pretty big waves in the Indo as well. Well, they did that uh, TV program, NBC, NBC yeah. Yeah, at uh, G-Land. Exactly. Now, now, here's where I take a little offense uh, with Matt. So yeah. when he talks about that, where, so, yeah, they feel it was, the, what was it called? The, the Sportsman, American Sportsman yeah. Series. Yeah. And Rick Rasmussen, and Linda DeVoli, uh, had gone to G-Land and they filmed this really high-end documentary, which I would love to see. If you could get a hold of that, that would be so cool. Oh and gosh, they said, yeah. but they also went along with Gregory Harrison. Yeah. And then in, okay, in parentheses, to, to let everyone know who Gregory Harrison was, mm-hmm. he says from, uh, oh, from Logan's like, you know, this soap opera that he was in, I forgot, yeah. and this like TV show. Days of Alive. He leaves out the thing that he's most the North Shore. Come yeah. on, there. Chandler, the, the the role that that he couldn't get away from. <laughs> yeah, but the role that like made oh, don't his, forget was... the don't forget the Head and Shoulders commercials too. But you don't have dandruff. <laughs> oh man, no, that's just foam dust. <laughs> Is that what he actually said? No, that would be great if he did. Ah, oh. <laughs> we should reenact those commercials. <laughs> There you go. Um, I, uh, so anyway, yes, Linda yeah. DeVoe, go on, and Ricky Rasmussen. Ricky Rasmussen, I mean, who else? We, I mean, there's so many. You know, I thought, do you know who John Gunderson is? Well, you mentioned him before. Was You said he was stood up to Town Hall about closing surfing. Yeah, so, no, I don't know who he is. All right, so John Gunderson founded with Paul Chapey Atlantic Surfing Magazine. And oh, he right. was uh, from Brooklyn, you know, uh, he was a Brooklyn resident, 
and he started Atlantic Surfing Magazine, uh, which was the first East Coast surfing magazine, apparently. Um, you know, but it's like interesting. He was grew up, you know, Rockway, knew our dad, you know, knows our dad real well, actually. You know, I've met him. I've met him a few times, uh, but he was so involved in, in East Coast surfing and trying to push it and promote it. And like, it was just, yeah, like there was such enthusiasm uh, from this guy. I don't know. I see really nice guy. I've met, I've met him a few times and just, yeah, like it's funny. Like I see a lot of things that he was doing. And I'm like, God, I do stuff like this. Like try to do I, I, It sounded like you were about to see. I see a like, lot of myself, myself. and John Gunderson. <laughs> yeah. Does that sound weird or egotistical? It, it, I don't know. It, no, it just it it just sounds funny that you see a lot of yourself in John Gunderson's man I'd never heard of before, you know, until now. And <laughs> maybe know, we should I, have him on. Oh, well, it, there, here's it, a here's the thing then. This might But he took on Mayor Lindsay to open up the beaches, which was fucking cool. And that was when was that? That was 19 in May of 1967. Gunnarsson and Chafee others marched on City Hall and were given a meeting with Mayor John Lindsay, who, after some convincing, allowed surfing in the waters of New York City on temporary basis. Wait, like, but this was for Long Beach? Or no, Rockaway this was Beach? Rockaway. Rockaway. Oh, okay, okay. Rockaway. Yeah. You're thinking Atlantic Beach and Long Beach, I think. Also, maybe you're getting your Atlantic okay. surfing, maybe. I don't know. But well, um, then here's um here's maybe okay so this might give us a, a bit of an in for really like uh, giving our chance to give some fair dues to uh, some people who need who need some mention yes. here in this episode. So you know, there's the East Coast Surf Hall of Fame. Yes. Now I was reading it and seeing who's in it, and there's there's a curious addition or a curious person who's on it, and there's a yeah. curious omission as well. So really? I'm, and this is not a stump, but who do you think I'm talking about for both of those? Do you have any idea? It wouldn't be Murph the Surf. I think they kept him on. Oh, he might have been in it. Yeah. No, I mean, you but know, really, they kept weird him omission. I don't know. Who would be admit? admit? Well, now, I don't know if this is just a mistake or if it's my... And I went over it a few times and I got it from the EOS website. Yeah. Slater is missing from it. Kelly Slater. He, he may not have been inducted. Is that possible? I know. He may not have been inducted. That would be funny. They give him a statue in Coco Beach, but they won't put him in the Surfing Hall of Fame. He's nearly 50. Come on. I, I know. He well, they don't give it to him now. <laughs> no, and I think there's, I mean, God, we need, should, maybe should, we don't need to get it up, but I think there's yeah. people younger than him and definitely contemporaries of him. Oh, I think you have to, you have to be totally. over 40 to get it. Yeah. Now the person who's on it is I can I know why, but it's still just a fun, it's almost like an honorary one. It's it's an honorary one. I th I think it's an honorary one given to the person who uh, actually started the East Coast Hall of Fame. Do you uh -huh. know who started the East Coast? Greg Knoll. Yeah, Gre Greg Knoll. I know that was gonna be my stump, my bro. Damn. Oh. <laughs> well, that's why I always come to these with three stumps just in oh. case it gets brought up. Oh, well, I'll have to come up with one on the spot now. <laughs> oh, yeah, really test your knowledge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that was weird. So, but apart from that, if you're going to, let's, you know, take this, because we are coming to the um, twilight hours of this episode. Should we maybe start to throw out some 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 people who we think yes. should be in our East Coast Hall of Fame? Okay. All right. I like this. All right. You go first. Uh, 
Yeah, I think I mentioned already, uh, yeah, Claude Codgen. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Claude had, for sure. Had a West I, Coast surf model. Yeah, Yancey Spencer, even though he's kind of Gulf Coast. but Oh, yeah. Does he count as East Coast? Yeah, I think he does because he's kind of he's part of it. And he spent a lot of time surfing the Atlantic, you know, and doing the contests there, too. No, but so. if you're a Gulf Coast, are you finding this a bit? Do they look at us like, hey, what are you doing, man? You're looking well, down I at imagine us again. It's, I imagine it's something like West Coast looks down on East Coast. East Coast looks down on Gulf Coast, you know. <laughs> and we're stealing their heroes as well. Oh, I know. Co-opting them. <laughs> But um, all right, okay. Um, so yeah, Yancey Spencer, I would say, would be would be up there. Uh, who who else for you? How about some? Do you know what? Because I'm looking at my list, and I yeah. we've mentioned every single person. Ah, we haven't mentioned the two New Yorkers of the moment. We haven't mentioned. Oh, Bal. Yep, Balaram. Balaram for sure. Do, oh, he's very young just, though. I just got to say, though, like I watched um, the Vans uh, Takeout or whatever, the, the, the weekly series they do during the Triple Crown, and they had uh, everyone riding Al Chapman boards, you know, that he had Oh, shaped. wow. And so Baal was surfing it at Pipe, you know, and it's really cool. And I just, I love Baal, man. He's just the coolest, nicest guy. He really embodies everything great about New York surfing, I feel like. Just great surfer. He was at all the Black Lives Matter paddle outs. He was, he's always contributing to the community and always stoking Groms out. I've never seen him act inappropriate. Like just, yeah, proud to have him as a New Yorker. Anyway, there. And, and also like just, you know, um, I mean, we don't need it anymore, but just the way he writes big pipeline. So good. So good um well i think we have to put john hannon in there that's our you know Definitely john, john is, so john hannon is the they call him the father of new york surfing and he was a really close he's a really close family friend of ours and both jamie and i got to grow up working in our father's surf shop with him and he i don't know about you but like really instilled a work ethic in me made me freaking just rip up every weed outside of the store and crush every cardboard box and you know if the bathroom wasn't painted right he made me paint it again like <laughs> but yeah john was amazing and just one of the first shapers and made the brute model which uh you know is basically a scooped out belly in the midsection of the board on the top of the deck for originally it was made for guys with beer guts what they found out though is it actually had a lot of design uh, elements, you know, benefits because of flex. Basically, it was almost like a parabolic railed surfboard in some ways and gave a lot of flex. Um, so anyway, yeah, yeah, John Hannon totally needs John to be in there. Hannon. He's such a legend. Oh, and he drove, you know, uh, what was it? I believe Hobie Alters uh, Porsche from the East Coast to West Coast with Rusty Miller within two days. No, it or, was. Not a Porsche? It wasn't a portion. It wasn't Hobie's. It was, uh, I think it was Dewey Weber's Mustang. I think. Really? I think it was a Mustang. Yeah. Oh. And um, they got pulled over by the police, and the police just wanted to check out the car and let them go without a ticket. <laughs> apparently, it's like Cannonball Run. <laughs> I think it was a Mustang. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, yeah. who else? Who else? Oh, the, we well, the other, the other, just a quick, you know, the, yeah. the other New Yorker right now is Will Scudin. I mean, oh, yes. Someone who surfs like the biggest waves in the world, like from, and he's from New York, you know, just such a great guy. And I can't speak highly enough about him. Absolutely. And fuck, like the wave pool they got going on in Jersey, the indoor one is awesome. So I'm going to say nice things <laughs> all the time about them so I can get invited back. <laughs> yeah. And it's um, also like, you know, you say like, if you, if you can't see it, you can't do it. Like, and you know, it shows, I mean, I was going to say it shows that, oh, you can surf big waves. Although like knowing his background, he's, he made trips out to Mavericks when he was a teenager. And like he, well, he was going yeah. for it. Like he, oh. you can't just spend your first 18 years surfing Long Beach and then surf Jaws. Well, no, yeah. his, his story is real interesting because he just from a young age wanted to be a big wave surfer. He just wanted to surf Mavericks. So his parents said when he, he's like, I want to do this really bad. I want to go. And he was like 14. And his parents said like, okay, when you, uh, if you train this year and you get good grades and you do all these things, um, we'll take you next year to Mavericks and we'll we'll get you sorted to get you surf it. And so when he was like 15, you know, he paddled into Mavericks basically, you know, and his parent, his father is in the channel and like supporting him. And it was just really cool because he was really driven to do it like at a young age. So yeah, crazy shit, crazy shit. <laughs> Yeah, and it, like that was before the the life vest that we have now, and his parents made him wear like a life preserver, you know, <laughs> like an old school oh life God. preserver. <laughs> Imagine like you're 15, you're paddling out at Mavericks, all these hardened, you know, guy, you know, guys out in the lineup, you know, and you got this little floaty <laughs> water waves or something. <laughs> but now everyone has them. So, um, how about Who's your Todd next Holland? One? How about Todd? Oh. Holland? Todd Holland, you Rebel know, like uh, Rebel Yell. I, I, I think I saw him at the Capitol the other day. Yeah, he was. Uh, oh. yeah, he's he's uh, <laughs> definitely Todd Holland. Yeah. And he, he was. I loved his color scheme. You know, the, the yellow and red, and uh, <laughs> he ended Tom Carroll's title run. You know, totally. But or he got won chased the up Classic. the beach. Got chased up the beach by Victor Rivas and and the Brazilian. Uh, audience in 93 when he blocked Victor Rivas like oh my God. heavy tactical and then he basically had to get uh security and get out of there he almost started a riot oh okay. you that know was... we're focusing on the negative aspects of Todd Holland but no. he was he and I think he always no. kind of didn't get the credit but he won he won the OP Pro right 1990 OP Pro and the and Coke the Classic as well Coke like... Classic 93 um runner up in 91 to Gerlach I believe uh no yeah, yeah. And yeah, he was awesome. And he charged. And he, he charged, charged backdoor pipe and oh my god, reckless abandon, like suicidal almost, you know, and you know, top amateur, you know, and um yeah, real interesting, you know, uh surfer who fought, you know, fought tooth and nail, you know, like all through the nineties particularly. Um yeah, yes, gotta put John him Holland. in there. You know, yeah, Todd I, Holland for sure. West Lane, yeah. of course, also. Scott McRannells. Yep. Big Red. Big Red. Turn Orthodontist. Yep. Charlie Kuhn. But, but then we've got to mention like the, the movers and the shakers, you know, like the people who yeah. really made it happen, like Dick Catree and yes. Larry Pope and Dick Mesrol, Colin Couture. Is that how you say his name? Colin, Colin yeah, do, yeah, Doc Couture. Doc 
Couture, Doc Colin yeah. Couture, who ran the yes. ESA. ESA and the USS United the, States Surfing Foundation. Um, absolutely. How about Tom Dugan? Right, you know, the other top we would, photographer. We would be remiss if we don't mention Eastern Surf Magazine. You know, that was which Dick Meserol and, uh, and Tom Dugan. Yeah. And they started Eastern Surf, you know, which all through the 90s and to early 2000s, you know, the free newspaper that we had in the in the shop, you know, and every issue I'd always like if they if I saw photographers on the beach during a hurricane swell here when the next issue or the issue the next month issue, I'd look through to see if any of my photos or anything of me were in there or the contest happenings, at least to see my. Name yeah, it was like what tracks used to be, you know, it. It was a community mag. It was community newspaper. It made you feel, made the East Coast feel smaller in a good way, mm-hmm. and made you aware of all the other surfers up and down the coast. It really springboarded a lot of uh, careers too. I think just not just from uh, the surfing perspective, but writing too, from Jason Bort to um, you know. Oh yeah, we need to. Is that how you, I always thought it was Borte? It's just Bort. It's Bort. I think it's Bort. You know, oh. he he wrote co- Ghost wrote uh, Slater's Slater's autobiography, dreams. right? Yeah, exactly. You know, um, but then in, you know you had uh, lots of industry people. Tyler Calloway, who uh, you know was from New Jersey, I believe, mm-hmm. and he went on to being like top guy at FCS and big mover and shaker in the industry. Uh, Jason. Um, Oh, why am I forgetting that photographer from New Jersey who became the photo editor of Surfer? Um, yeah, there's a few f- there's photographers who went on to be like big time world photo- surf photographers as opposed to East totally. Coast surf photographers. But Absolutely. we do have to, yeah, push the whole, the people who promoted the East Coast, who did a lot for the East Coast. And like Larry Pope, without, he, he made Sebastian Inlet, brought it to the, brought it to the, what, you know, to, to and, the public eye and distributor of clark foam for a number of years on the east know? coast yeah the east yeah. coast like which is huge you know and uh absolutely i mean there's god there's just so much uh, greg lower greg lower epoxy god <laughs> we have to thank him for all his work on epoxy him and his work with bill hartley too doing those crazy rocker ships um yes but like greg lore like he he you know was like a pioneer of epoxy surfboards and then like also spread it amongst the floridians like remember spectrum was doing all those boards for a while and i mean there was it was and it works for the east coast epoxy boards are great for small waves so it made sense um now i want to ask i'm like yeah. it, this could be my uh uh, ignorance here but yeah. so obviously we mentioned mimi monroe and linda oh. devoli and we got lisa talk anderson quickly. and hold on and can we just mention mimi monroe for one sec what was really interesting about her yes she like matt even says like so needs to make a documentary about her because she was like the top surfer in the early six mid 60s then left because you know you know men and the way she, people talked about her and they you know didn't like the tomboy uh you know tomboy you know kind of stereotype and she had pressures but then 
came back to surfing in the mid seventies and won a whole bunch of contests and got back into it, you know, years later. Uh, it was just really cool story. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And what's, but has there been other in, in recent years, like yeah. CT level women's pro surfers, Carolyn Marks. He's East Coast. Yeah. Oh my she's God. Florida. I feel like I cannot. Oh my God. I wish I wish we could rewind it. Can we edit this out? <laughs> That's embarrassing. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm not gonna say anything more. That's as and yeah. yeah, if if you haven't seen a clip of her surfing right now, especially that one of the wave pool that we looked at the other day. I never oh, yeah. in my life, yeah, just I never thought would up until a few years ago, I never thought I'd see anybody surf like that. Yeah. Like good, good style, good surfing, solid. The East Coast just, I think, turn. I also think like there's something about, there's a correlation with East Coast surfers and Brazilian storm, you know, surfing as well. You know, like the Brazilian storm, they're all, they were hungry. They all came from crappy wave locations didn't get it, you know, didn't have all the industry there. Not everything was handed to them. So they have to fight. And that was same with the East Coast. They were They're East Coast as well. Exactly. And they are East Coast as well. So there's something there with the lack of creating such that drive. And and that would explain why West Coast hasn't produced a world champ, you know, a, a world uh, men's surfing world, world champion women's like even um Kim Merrick was the last one. God, is it been? Is it really? God, that's crazy! Wow. Were you were you alive back then? Yeah, 1984. Yeah. Oh, you weren't really like developed yet. Yeah, though you were still <laughs> doesn't count. You were underdone back then. <laughs> still have memories. Um, I, but do you know what though, Tyler? Yeah. I just realized this yeah. whole episode we haven't been we haven't been clear with our audience where we're from. But, no, that we've been talking about the East Coast of America. Like people could be uh, thinking, what do you mean, mate? Sydney, Byron Bay, <laughs> the, the Goldie. <laughs> yeah, that is Cave true. Rock. Listen, Cave Rock. That is not my South Super African accent. Superbank, mate. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're talking about the East Coast of the United States of America. In case you haven't heard of it before. Um. Yeah. So East Coast, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, you know, I like it. Also, we have seasons, a lot of, you know, at least the half of the East Coast has nice change of seasons, which is lovely. We can go from, you know, board shorts to six mils in a year span, which is kind of nice to see those changes. Do you know what that, that year I lived in Hawaii, by yeah. the end, I was really missing like gray, cold days, you know, it's, there's yeah, something nice it, about know? an excuse to stay indoors. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> totally, you know, or, or if you have to go walk your dog, you know, but it's just, you know, you're lonely, it's windy, it's war, you know, it's just a bit of anonymity for, for, for a little while. <laughs> what, um, what, what are, what are like, you know, I know we should be wrapping up soon, but I have a couple, I have a, one or two questions here. Like what are, what are, can you name like one or two top East Coast surfing moments 
Like when, oh, you mean like not just my own top? No, just moments, just like, like when, when we surf East naked Coast out is, in the. <laughs> no, when we surf naked out in Montauk, you know, but, but no, but no, like the top moments in East Coast surfing, like a moment that uh, like sticks out for you that you know you you you're not involved, may not have been involved with or whatever, but it's just, I don't know. Do you have do you have one? Well, okay, I've got a couple of. They're they're pro surfing moments. Not okay. necess- and and they're not necessarily like top like bring a tear to your eye kind of things, yeah. but just very interesting, significant pro moments. Yeah, you know about like the Garden State Pro, that yes. Martin Potter one. Yes, where, and then John Shimoka won the the Aloha Cup. And the Aloha, but, but the Garden State Pro. Do you know why yeah. I bring that up? Is like being a, a notorious uh, one. Whoa. So, so this one, and again, like I'm I haven't read about it in a while, so I'm forgetting all the details, but, but more or less, whoever was organizing the event was just some local guy oh, they, and yes, he had raised money, but didn't actually have the money to run the event. And even at like the, the 11th hour when all the pros were in town and the event's going to go on, he still hadn't secured sponsorship for the event. And <laughs> I forgot. Oh man, all the details. Something along the lines of like he skipped town with all yeah. the prize money. Yeah, it's 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 out there. It's easy to read about somewhere. Look it up. Is interesting little dubious tale that especially yeah, he totally took. I remember reading this. Now it's coming back. Yeah, the promoter of the contest. He just skipped town with all the because he didn't have the sponsorship money. So it was all the money that the pros, all the athletes submitted, all the submission yep. funds, basically. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there's that. There's um, I don't know if this was his first pro win, but it was one of his early pro wins. Um, you you know who who won the record bar pro in North Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, in I think eighty four, eighty five, around then, maybe eighty six. No, I think it was eighty four, eighty five. An Australian, uh, Kong. Kong El yes, so, yes, the yes. record bar, pro, and the, the record, record. Okay, the record bar. I'm saying it wrong because that's how I always read it, thinking like, "What's the record bar?" And then I'm like, "Oh, the record bar." It's probably I don't know if it was a place that sold records or if it was a bar where they play lots of music. Or, <laughs> I don't know. So it was that, and and the um the other big pro surfing moment was also the um the well I the Wave Wizards contest in yes. Florida where I would. That um, was going to be my other stump, my bro question. Uh, well, there's two two <laughs> things. So, so well, what was the thing you were going to mention about it? It was going to be the, the contest where they basically had a boat wake <laughs> to create surfable conditions. They needed a I boat. Know. They got a troller to go across and make a boat wake for them to surf so that they can finish the contest. That's so cool. And... uh <laughs> And also, it had another. I don't know if it was that one because there was a few rave wizards. I think they had it like yeah. two or three years running. You know, like um, yeah. I think Curran said well, one of the first times he saw Aki was at the Wave Wizards. But also, yes. if it weren't for the, so do you know how? I was it 1983. I think the 83 World Championships was between Tom Carroll and Rabbit Bartholomew. Yeah, and they were running neck and neck into the last like one or two contests of the year. And rabbit said, and back then they just had like a bazillion contests on the tour, you know, like 40 contests in one year. And you didn't go to all of them. Probably you just did. They only counted your top 16 results, I think, or something. 
something like, like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was your three quarters. It was some weird thing. Your three. Yeah. Anyway. And, and he, so rabbits at home, he's getting psyched up for, I don't know, for bells or something like that. Or I don't know what it was. He's getting psyched up for the last couple contests. He's at home. He's resting. He's training. And then he turns on the news or he gets the paper and he reads that Tom Carroll's won the world title. He's like, what the fuck? <laughs> and he calls, I, I don't know, maybe Al Hunt or something. He's like, what's going on? And he said, oh, yeah, well, Tom went to the Wave Wizards contest in Florida and, and got 300 <laughs> points and you can't win now. And he's like, the Wave Wizards? What? <laughs> and, and Tom Carroll, I guess, had just been like, oh, here's a few extra points, you know, and went down there and. So that was, it was a crucial. Um, I love that. So those that are my a, East Coast that's moments. That's a good one. For you. Um, just a photo. I think that contest in Jersey was called the Excalibur Cup, wasn't it? No, that's no? different. Where is so that? The, Where was that? The, Ex, the Excalibur Cup was run by Ted Deerhurst and it was to raise money. Um, oh, I don't, I think it was oh, kidney. No, I don't. It was, it was a charity event. Mm. And um, I know one of the Hopper brothers from New Jersey, Dennis or Doug Hopper, won it one year. Yeah. And um, and they had, yeah, like the trophy was like a big sword. The sword you know? in the stone. <laughs> and it was in New Jersey. And at one of the events, um, they had Jack Sony from uh, Dire Straits performed at the, because he was a surfer. Uh, <laughs> what's her face? Uh, Heather... Thomas. That's why I like Dire Straits so much. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Heather Thomas from The Fall Guy yes. was there, and, and she dances with a young Kelly Slater. You know, and there's a great picture. You've yes, seen that I picture. I love that before. picture. Yes, yes. But that that's the Excalibur. So Ted Deerhurst, you probably know who he is. You know, yes. he was he was uh, some sort like of him. aristocrat from Britain. Yes, and he, uh, you know, was uh, anyway. Like that's a whole other thing. Else. Yes. No, yeah. I'm not like anybody else. That's a song in Stormriders. Yeah. Look, look him up. This he's, he's an interesting so dude. So that's right, the Excalibur my, Cup. I'm just gonna name one real main one. 1995 Neuter Kane. Remember that? That oh, the perfect huge. Storm. Yeah, the soup, the the heat, the perfect mm. storm. Exactly. Well, that's from the book, The Perfect Storm. Yeah. yeah. No, I know. That's what I mean. That's that storm was i think for many people like the east coast being like what's up we got big waves we have we have fucking waves all right and while we only had like a, a one or two sessions during that swell i think or no we had a lot of sessions but we had when it was at its peak at one session in robert moses where we drifted like mm -hmm. miles in minutes <laughs> but that was just like, I just remember seeing that in Surfer Magazine and feeling so much pride and being <laughs> like, I was so stoked. Like they made such a big deal about it. And then you see like Bill Hartley on a 9-0 gun, you know, at RCs, you know, outside RCs, you know, it's just really, really cool. Like that, that's awesome. So I think that is definitely, uh, to me, like one of the highlights, I think, was just, that was like, East Coast has fucking surf. And, mm -hmm. and after that, it became like the hurricane special in magazines. And they gave much more credence to it over the years and gave more bigger write-ups on the, on the East Coast hurricane season. And Donovan at Manasquan. Don, Donnie, Donnie at Manasquan, man, riding a UFO. <laughs> Unidentified or USO, whatever that was called. <laughs> 
All right. Shout out so, to Scott, Scotty Dewar. Props to Scotty Dewar, who was the man Dewar. at Manasquan in the 80s and 90s. Hey, I remember reading good. about him and then seeing him there. And I mean, like, oh, that's the guy. Yeah. How about how about Paul Pruitt's Atlantic Crossing, by the way? Oh, yeah. One of the real first, like, big East Coast kind of centric movies in the 80s, at least. That was that was great. Actually. That's a full length film about the the about the east coast you're right east coast and the atlantic because they went to europe too they did go to europe it was atlantic oh, yeah. crossings i kind of so, wish they and, hadn't i thought i wish they just focused on the east coast of america do you remember where we saw it was it b&b's fish and clam yes and <laughs> yeah it was like it was the b&b fish and clam it was like no not the fish or, restaurant or, or do you know i think you know, it, I'm not no, sure. we went twice. We went twice to it because we did see Son of the Last Surf movie there. So Son of the Last Surf. But what did we see at the um the veterans place in uh, in Babylon upstairs? Oh, that we was black and white. Well. We saw black and white. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So but B&B's um fish and clam. Yeah, the fish plate. We had to go to a seafood restaurant to watch a surf movie and this one and it was but they had remember they had the footage of of like turtle cove like maxing out which is like two guys out and we I were don't just remember oh, i man, don't remember, I remember the st- film at all i remember them doing it but i don't remember anything from the film you just remember their segment in surfer magazine tv when they probably covered, when, when paul holmes did a review of it yeah yeah <laughs> but but it, I saw it and I remember seeing like Turtle Cove, like massive, you know, at the time I was like, holy shit, it gets that big out here. I couldn't mm. believe it. So, okay, yeah. the big, All right. big one. All what right. What else have you got? So, big moments. Uh, well, I mean, it would have to be, you know, probably Slater winning his first world title, I think. Obviously, yeah. You know, that's... That's, that's definitely up there. Slater's whole um, life. <laughs> Slater's whole life. <laughs> uh, yeah. And um, Quicksilver Pro 2011. That's true. Yeah. Fucking I mean, one of the best. We just, oh my God. I mean, they scored the day of the year on the finals. Like, what in front of the world? Like, that was the East Coast stepped up. The East that Coast was waves East Coast stepped being like, up when the up? world was watching. Yeah. You know, it was crazy. I mean, you had Quicksilver employees being like, holy shit, there's going to be waves overnighting surfboards on FedEx on Quicksilver's corporate card, you know, oh flying God. boards out because they're like, holy shit, it's going to be pumping, you know? <laughs> and, and I remember like Sean Collins saying like, well, we've chosen this location because of the offshore Hudson Water Canyon. I'm like, yeah, oh, I didn't know about this canyon. That's diverting. <laughs> what do we live at Black's Beach? You know, like, oh, cool, man. Cool. <laughs> so those those are some top moments there. I think you're, you're really missing a big one, though. I am. The, oh, well, the, the New York Surf toot, Film Festival. I'm not going to toot my own horn. Without the New York Surf Film Festival. I mean, that... I feel like that was like a change of like all of a sudden like the East Coast becoming cool, you know. It's, um, all this stuff that we've mentioned so far was showing yeah. that yeah, we we can do it, we can do it, we can do it like almost as well as the West Coast. But the Surf Film Festival and and Mollusk and Joel Tudor hanging out in Montauk and all that like started to show that actually the East Coast has got something that. The rest of the world doesn't have or and it just well, kind of made it a bit cooler you know 
Well, I think also there, there was a collision uh, in 2007, 2008, where um, con- really, especially 2006 into 2007, you know, economy running high, um, all these companies, Quicksilver, Billabong, at the peak of their powers, uh, you know, riding the stock market, crushing it. Uh, you know, everything was was all happening and so quick and all that. And everyone's realizing, oh, shit, the media epicenter is New York and all our investors are there. <laughs> we should do more surf stuff in New York. You know, whereas back in the day, Taylor Steele would always skip New York when he was doing his East Coast screenings. Hence, more chip on my shoulder there, just being like. Mm, um, but yeah, so all right. you know what all time right. it is? It's time for. Stump, Stump my, my bro. bro. Have you got anything left in the tank after you said we've already addressed a few of those? I I think I I can. Um, it's, if you want, what I could do is I could text yeah? you some of my questions. You could use them. I could pretend not to know the answers. Why you got to insult me like that? That's, <laughs> that's harsh. Um, I've got two quick ones and a long one. Okay, um, go for it. <laughs> go send. Give me one. Give me one. All right. Who was the first ESA? That's Eastern Surfing Association champ mm. in 1967, and it was based on past results, not the ESA surf offs. Oh shit! Um, Gary Proper. That's the one. <laughs> oh, shot in the dark. <laughs> Playing darts with blindfolds on. (laughs) (laughs) Is that the name Uh, of your new album? That would be a good name of an album. Okay, uh, give me a second here. Okay, this surfer had the top-selling surfboard model for Hobie in the 90s. Oh, Peter Pan with the slug. Ah, he got it. Yeah, yeah. the slug. Remember, everyone loved that board. Well, Rich has one. It's shaped by Terry Martin. Like Terry it's Martin, a, the late great. Yeah. I've got a, a, a short stub and a long stub. Stump, Just give me stump. One. Give no, me no, I'm going to give you the short one quick. Because the long one is interesting, I think. Okay. Um, so what is the... It's an East Coast surf shop. It's... Mm-hmm. A, possibly the longest running surf shop in the world like the oldest one that still exists now and it's on the east coast shit can you tell me what state it's in our state can i buy a vowel yes (laughs) bungers then right yeah Bunger, 1962 It's Crazy. quite possible that there is no other surf shop in the world that has been existing in the same location for as long. I mean, 1962, like there weren't that many surf shops around in 1962, no. and it's still there, you know? God bless Charlie Jr., Tommy, and Teresa. I love them. They're so awesome. And uh, God bless them for keeping it going. And, and yeah, better kids okay, than we are. Better kids than we are. <laughs> taking over dad our dad's store <laughs> we're, we're shitty kids shitty sons damn it <laughs> no no, we, no we, sense we, of legacy we, here we're good son we don't we don't make him feel responsible for us yeah and the uh and the last one is a, a little bit of long okay so the lo- what is the location yeah of this 1981 kind of one of the 
early women's pro surf contests. Uh, it, it took place somewhere on the East Coast at a surf spot that you know. Um, and, and this surf contest attracted the likes, the old guard like uh, Margot Oberg and Jergo Poplar um, and Rel Sun, but it also uh, attracted the new guard or the medium guard of Lynn Boyer, the new guard of Pam Burridge, uh, had Liz Benavides there. Um, they, they had oh, a parade. They had a parade in this town where they made all the women surfers riding these cars to the town and the the women got up on the on the hood of the car and like did cheater fives and everything i don't know this it was i don't know this 1981 shinnecock inlet out in uh, hampton Shh, bays dude, i heard about this damn uh, wow yeah i did hear about that contest that's so cool and apparently awesome. when when uh one of the like motels that they were staying at um oh gosh one of one of the women she it was really cold it was the end of the summer it was actually like september so it was quite cold a bit chilly and she wanted to heat up her wetsuit and this hotel for some motel had had cooking facilities in the rooms and and she stuck it in the oven and and forgot about it and it burned and singed through and she had to surf with holes in it the next day and apparently to this day they still the women who were present they pass the wetsuit around and they sign it and whenever they see each other again they pass it on to the next person that was the, uh, the big article on women's the early days of women's pro surfing by uh patty uh Panicchio, ooh, ooh. that i sent well, you well <laughs> that's on the eos by the way i uh I'm not, i don't have a question to finish that, but one fun fact I found was um, Flea Shaw was not aware, you know, like he was in the 67 uh, you know, World Championships and placed like third or fourth and was like really hot. Like people were really on board. I don't know. I just, I have an infatuation with Flea Shaw for some reason. You do. It's the mustache. Where, it's, where, are you sure that he got, because uh, I read something in the US where they were mentioning him and Mimi Monroe in the same breath, and they said she got third place in the 66 maybe, World Maybe Champion. I misread that. Maybe I read it too quickly. I think you I did. She got third place in the 66 right. World Champ, but he was he was pretty top, top guy in the, in the U.S. He's championships, maybe. Yeah. Oh, got a crush on him for some reason. The mustache just embodies the 80s to me in some ways. <laughs> I don't know. Um, well, that was our, our episode of, uh, you know, east coast rules sunday joint uh thank you all for listening we hope you all enjoyed it and uh for all you east coasters there hope you all enjoy some some pride and a little bit of history and peace sorry. of the east peace of the east oh speaking of which beast of the east contest by lido surfing sport how good was that that was like one of the first pro contests to come to east coast in like 20 30 years and one of the first pro contests in new york for like 30 somewhat years anyway fun fact um but yeah to all those who we missed and didn't get to say hi we, you know or mention on here we're sorry but anyway thank you for joining us we hope you enjoy and we'll catch you next time Sunday